Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today we're going to be talking about a tool for your PCOS Diva Toolkit that reduces inflammation, increases fertility, improves your sleep, reduces stress hormones like cortisol, can lower heart rate and blood pressure, makes you feel centered and grounded and reduces anxiety, but it isn't a pill. And I am thrilled that Emily Fletcher, she's the founder of Ziva, the creator of the Ziva Technique, and she's regarded as the leading expert in meditation for high performance because meditation is sort of the secret sauce that we're going to be talking about today. And her debut book, which I read last night, and it's really fantastic, it's called Stress Less and Accomplish More. It's being published by HarperCollins this winter, and I'm really thrilled that she's on the PCOS Diva podcast to talk about the power of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting and her Ziva technique. So welcome, Emily, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive in and share how this can help folks. So I would love to know how you discovered meditation as kind of a healing modality um, and what led you to share and develop your technique with literally like tens of thousands of people all over the world. Yes. So it's a bit of an unlikely journey from Broadway showgirl to meditation teacher. Before I found this practice, I was on Broadway for 10 years, and it's what I wanted to do my whole life since I was a little girl. And my first Broadway show, about three weeks later, after I had achieved this lifelong dream, it was the saddest I had ever been. And it was very confusing to me why I was on Broadway, and it wasn't sunshine and roses. And so I thought, well, my my happiness must be in the next show, or the next agent, or the next boyfriend, or the next zero in the bank account. And I did that for 10 years. And then my last Broadway show was a chorus line where I was understudying three of the lead roles. And that means you show up to the theater with no idea which character you're going to play. So it was pretty stress-inducing, pretty high anxiety time. And finally, that anxiety started leading to insomnia. I could not sleep through the night for 18 months. I started going gray at 26 years old. I started getting sick and injured. And it was very confusing to me, again, why I'm living my dream And it wasn't this sunshine and roses dream that I thought it was supposed to be. It was a bit of a nightmare. 
And thankfully, a woman was sitting next to me in the dressing room. She had a harder job than I did, but the, she was crushing it. Every song, every dance, every bite of food was a celebration. And finally, I said, hey, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. And I rolled my eyes and I didn't believe her because there was not the neuroscience then that there is now. And so I kept having insomnia and going gray and feeling like I was doing a terrible job. And then finally, it got so bad. I was so embarrassed about my performance that I thought, well, I have to try something. So I went along to this intro to meditation talk. I was a little skeptical, but I liked what I heard. And the first day of my first class, I was meditating. To be honest, I didn't know what that word really meant, but I was in a different state of mind, a different state of consciousness that I had ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since, and that was 11 years ago. And then I stopped getting sick. I did not get so much as a cold for eight and a half years after that. I stopped going gray. I'm going to be 40 in March. I have like one gray hair. I was legitimately going gray in my late 20s. I stopped getting injured. But most importantly, I started enjoying my job again. And I thought, you know, why does everyone not do this? You know, to your point, if it was a pill, everyone would take it. Um, but it's just, it makes your life so much better. It makes your pain and insomnia and anxiety go away. And so I thought, why does everybody not do this? So I left Broadway, I went to India, and I started what became a three-year training process to teach. And then I opened up Ziva Meditation, and I had a studio in New York, which was amazing. And it started helping people so dramatically. And then they said, hey, look, I want my sister to learn. I want my mom to learn. I want my brother to learn. They don't have access to a teacher in their hometown. And so that led me to create the world's first online meditation training. It's now called Ziva Online. And, and we created the Ziva Technique, which is the trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And since then, I've taught 15,000 people to meditate, which I'm very proud of. I've gotten to share these tools at Google and Harvard Business School and Viacom and Barclays Bank and all these sort of unlikely places where you would think they would be meditating. And it's been just the most rewarding, fun thing that I've ever gotten to do. And now I love waking up to emails from my students saying, you know, Emily, my insomnia went away too. My IBS is gone. My inflammation is down. I stopped having panic attacks. My hormones feel like they're more balanced. I got pregnant and I didn't think I was going to. And so, you know, all these stories are really what motivates me now and uh, selfishly why I, why I loved, love doing this so much. You know, I, your story is some, you know, similar to mine. And I think a lot of people in this space, you know, we, out of our suffering, we kind of birth something that's really beautiful and, and helps so many people um, as a result. And, uh, you know, I just, I thank you for, for kind of pushing forward and, and, um, you know, doing your important work in this world. Thank you. That really means a lot coming from you. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about, um, sort of meditation and maybe some of the roadblocks that some of us might have. I know when you were talking about like your own kind of eye roll and when, um, your coworker said, why don't you come to a meditation class? Um, you know, I think even some of folks listening to um, the piece, this PCOSD, the podcast episode, and especially even with all of the, the wonderful results of meditation that I listed in the beginning of the show, um, you know, when you realize that that secret sauce is meditation, there's, um, you know, you think, well, I don't really have time for that, or isn't that a little woo-woo? Um, you know, how do you 
uh, kind of coach your your clients beyond kind of those mindset blocks around meditation? So I would say the biggest roadblock to meditation is that people think that they're too busy to meditate, right? It's like, oh, okay, I get it. The science is in. I know it's going to help inflammation. I know it can rebalance my hormones. I know it can help with my anxiety. I know it can help depression and insomnia, but I'm busy. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, first of all, what are we also busy doing? Second of all, how much time are all of those things costing you? The insomnia, the anxiety, the depression, the hormone imbalance, the inflammation, the weakened immune system, the increase in body age, the decrease in neuroplasticity, you know, all of the stuff that stress is doing to us because the sad reality is that stress is making us stupid, sick, and slow. It just is. There is a reason why you can't find your keys when they're in your hands, when you're rushing to get out the door. There is a reason why you can't find your glasses when they're on your head when you're freaking out about where your glasses are. It's because you're wasting your mental and physical energy preparing ultimately for an imaginary tiger attack or bear attack. It's like your brain and body are going into fight or flight mode. And so they're preparing for an imaginary predator attack. You're not actually being attacked by a tiger, but because you have all these emails to answer, your body is going into fight or flight, which paradoxically makes it harder for you to get through your to-do list. So when we get stressed, when we get busy, when we don't take time for self-care, our to-do list that might have taken us five hours before may start to take us eight or nine because it's, that stress is actually slowing us down. And so the whole point of the book is to really reframe meditation actually as a performance and productivity tool. And it goes way deep into the neuroscience of, of why stress makes us stupid, why stress is making us sick, why stress is slowing us down. And once we start to have an intellectual experience and understanding of that, then we're much more likely to dive into the practice itself. And then when people actually learn, when they invest the time to learn a technique that is designed for them and not just do like a free app or some sort of um, a lot of mindfulness techniques that are very popular, most of the YouTube videos or free apps out there or drop-in studios are actually teaching versions of mindfulness, which originally was made for monks. And so if you're not a monk and you try to do monk meditation, it feels hard. It feels like, well, I can't clear my mind and I'm too busy to do it. But the reality is you probably just never had took the time to get trained and you may be trying a meditation style that's not for you. And so if you have a technique that is designed for you, if you spend the time to get trained in it, then what most people report is that they become so much more productive. They're able to accomplish so much more in their day. They end up needing less sleep. They get sick less often. They're more creative, more intuitive. And so for the few minutes a day that you invest in the meditation, you end up having so much more time. And more importantly, I would say more quality time. You're in less pain. You're in less suffering. You're more present with your kids. You're more present with your partner. And so it's just your whole life, not only do you have more time, but you have you enjoy the time that you have much more. So the biggest resistance to meditation is, oh, I'm too busy. And, and the reality is we're all, most of us are just running around busy trying to make money. And if that's the goal, well, it's like, well, if your brain worked a little bit better and you could do more in less time, do you think it would be possible to actually make more money in less time if you were to invest 15 minutes in the morning meditating? And so really this is the big, big goal of the book is to just, <laughs> stop anyone from ever saying ever again, I don't have time to meditate. It would be like saying, I'm out of gas, but I don't have time to go to the gas station. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think um, for women with PCOS, I just want to remind listeners that we are um, much more sensitive to stress. Our cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone, are already um, elevated compared to women without PCOS. And I think, you know, the, the trade-off for me is obviously for meditating. And, and if you've read my book, Healing PCOS, you know that that's part of my um, daily practice. But it's um, not so much the, the performance. Well, I suppose it comes down to performance, but it's the energy that I have um, in order to be the mom and wife that I want to be. And I, for me... I can't tell you how much um, at like you and I, I say usually around two thirty three before my kids get home is like when I meditate so that I have the energy to sort of take on the second half of my day. And it's and as you mentioned in your books too, it's so much more energizing than caffeine. And it really is if you if you practice the right way. And, and I love your technique. Oh, thank you for saying that, and thank you for highlighting you know, specifically how these techniques can help people with PCOS, because you're absolutely right. You know, when we go into that fight or flight thing, the, you know, when I mentioned like when you're stressed, your body basically starts preparing for an imaginary tiger attack. And then the, the, the chain effect of chemical reactions that happen in the body is that our digestion gets flooded with acid to shut down digestion. And then that same acid seeps into our skin so that we don't taste very good. And that acid PS is adrenaline and cortisol. Those chemicals, those stress hormones are acidic in nature. They shut down digestion. They make you not taste good if you were get to get bitten into by that tiger. But that acidity can increase body age. Uh, your bladder and bowels will evacuate so you can be light on your feet so you can you know, fight or flee the tiger. Your immune system goes to the back burner because who cares if you're going to get cancer if you're about to be killed by a tiger. So now the body's not healing itself, preparing itself in the way that it knows how to because you've got this low-grade chronic fight-or-flight thing going on all the time. Uh, it can take down your sex drive. It can take down your fertility because if the, if the body's primary focus is staying alive and if it thinks that it's constantly being attacked, then procreation becomes, you know, back burner at best. And so when we get out of fight or flight, when we start to practice and incorporate meditation into our daily practice, we get out of fight or flight and we move into what I call stay and play. And then the body can start to function as it was designed. It can start to think about things like sex and babies and creativity and intuition if it's not constantly in survival mode. Yeah, and you, um, you know, when I talk about the, the, it's kind of the same thing with women that are trying to conceive with PCOS, and you know, PCOS is the leading cause of female infertility. You know, I do think that stress is a huge factor, and um, I think that for a lot of women, just managing the stress can play a huge role in increasing fertility. And you write in your book, like in your studio, um, you have like that you've witnessed 70 babies um, being born, you know, as a result of like the meditative practices of the moms and in, in, in overcoming their fertility. And, yes, and now it's even more than that. I think, I mean, and I don't, that could be PS, like I'm 39 and I'm in New York City. So in New York City, people tend to wait a little bit before they have their kids. And so I'm sure part of that is the lens through which I'm seeing it. I just had my first child seven months ago. 
And, um, but I will say that I'm 39 and I got pregnant on my first try and I miscarried that child, but then we got pregnant again, sort of as an accident, uh, a few months after the miscarriage. And so, you know, I know that age, this age thing, like really stresses a lot of people out as they start to approach 35 or 40. And I just want to highlight that I think there's some really bad science out there about maternal age and fertility. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but my husband is um, a data guy, and when he really looked into the data around maternal age and fertility, um, he was like, this is crazy. This is really bad science because what people are doing is that they're conflating maternal health with maternal age. And while, yes, maternal health does impact fertility and, and you know, we need all systems to be firing because most people tend to get less healthy as they get older we've assumed that as you get older, your fertility goes down. But if you are getting more healthy as you get older, then it is possible for your, for your fertility to increase. And there's actually a case study in the book, Stress Less, Accomplish More. There's a case study of a woman who was, I think she was 42 when, no, wait, that might be a lie. She was over 40. She might've been 40. I can't remember her exact age, but she was over 40. She had had one child and she wanted to get pregnant again. She came to Ziva learned to meditate and because her doctor had said that she wasn't even a candidate for IVF, that her fertility markers were too low to even try IVF. So she came to meditate. She meditated every day, twice a day for two years. And then she went back to her doctor and they did the same tests. She had the fertility markers of an 18 year old, like everything had wow. shifted. And, the, and so she's two years older, but her fertility had increased. So it's, it was just, a, I think I was pretty, and because she had hard data, because she had done the same test with the same doctor, you know, pre and post her meditation, that's why I included it in the book. But I have anecdotal stories of that, you know, all over the place. So I just, if, if age is, is stressing someone out who's listening to this and being like, oh, my timing and this, that, and the other, I just feel like do yourself a service and just take that weight off of you and do everything you can to optimize your health, optimize your mental space. Um, start, I know this is easier said than done, but the more we can get into surrender, the more we can get into flow, the more we can mm -hmm. get into trust and receptivity. These are very feminine qualities that we need to turn up when we're looking to conceive. Versus a lot of us try to pr approach fertility with a very masculine approach of like, I'm going to try everything and I'm going to work so hard and I'm going to just make it happen on my timeline. And that's very counter to a decidedly feminine aspect of life, which is conception, receptivity. Mm. Yeah, I love that, um, that comment. And, you know, that's something that I've been trying to um really talk about is even just the way that you approach PCOS so much of the language that we hear um, and even in fertility I just saw a, a course being offered called conquer your your IVF but it's like the the conquer wage a war you know a battle and those those that language is very ripe in you know that masculine um, energy and as women with PCOS you know we're already um, dealing with elevated male hands um, hormones um, like androgens that we really need to shift to more of a feminine approach to our life and at least that that has really helped me and I see that help a lot of women especially around your fertility journey 
And mm-hmm. that whole idea of surrender, I think, is so powerful. And then the, I also, um, I love that you brought up about, um, you know, maternal age. And just to remind everyone that women with PCOS tend to remain fertile longer. And actually, your fertility increases, you know, as you age. So it's really um you know, if you start meditating twice a day and you're in your early 40s and you find yourself pregnant, you know, don't be surprised. <laughs> yes, I have another student who's 44 and she just got pregnant with her first child. And so, you know, it's, it is possible. And, I, and I, one thing that I love also about meditation, not to get too woo-woo or too hippy-dippy, but if you're meditating every day twice a day, then you have these two beautiful opportunities a day to just sit and, and connect with your baby you know, just connect with the spirit of this child and say, hey, you know what? I'm ready for you whenever you're ready. I'm here. I'm doing my work. I trust your timing, but I just want to let you know that I love you. We're ready for you when you're ready to come in and I surrender. I trust your timing. And, and, and I feel like that's a, it's a sweet and, um, it's a sweet but gentle practice that you can Mm -hmm. start to do instead of like, all right, baby, I have to get pregnant in the next three months on my timeline. And if I don't get pregnant, then God, you know, it's, it's just too aggressive. And if there's, it's not, we don't get to decide by ourselves. It's a relationship and the babies have get a say as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that point. Well, I would like um, for you to kind of talk, uh, talk to us about the, the Ziva technique and, and what does, how is that different from, you know, the, the type of meditation that, you know, I, I originally thought of is like sitting on your meditation pillow, um, you know, chanting Om. like how, how, it, how does your technique differ? Yes. So this is what a lot of people think. They think, well, I have to sit in uncomfortable positions on a floor with my back hurting and I have to have fancy fingers and you know, I can't move or if I have an itch, I can't scratch it and I have to focus and control my mind and concentrate. And we don't do any of that stuff at Ziva. But that is a decidedly monastic practice. That's a very monk-like meditation. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just if you're not a monk and you're trying to practice monk meditation, that might be why it feels so hard. And whereas what I teach at Ziva is based on a 6,000-year-old practice, but it's actually designed for people with busy minds and busy lives. It is designed to be integrated into your life to make you better at life, to make you a better partner, a better mom, a better employee, a better boss. And so what we teach at Ziva is a beautiful trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting the three M's, as we like to call it, mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And where this can get confusing for some folks is that a lot of people are using mindfulness and meditation as synonyms, but they're not the same thing. Um, Mindfulness is more like a monk practice. It is more about focusing and concentrating. And most of the apps out there, most of the YouTube videos and the drop-in studios are actually teaching what I would call mindfulness, which is anytime you are directing your focus, anytime you are Uh, someone's guiding you through something. So any guided meditation is actually what I would call mindfulness. And that's very good at dealing with your stress in the now. Meaning like, well, I had a stressful day at work, so let me listen to my app for 10 minutes and I feel a little better in the right now. It's like taking an aspirin when you have a headache. Versus meditation is very much going after the root cause. Meditation is all about getting rid of your stress from the past. It is going in and giving your body deep healing rest 
that is dealing not only with your stress in the now, but all the stress that we've been accumulating in our body over light, over decades. You know, the dog that barked in your face when you were 10, your parents divorced when you were 12, your breakup when you were 20, all that stuff gets stored in your body. And that stress over time leads to elevated cortisol levels. It leads to inflammation. It can lead to any sort of, you know, chronic disease. And so what we do with the meditation is that we actually induce very deep healing rest, rest that is five times deeper than sleep. And so for a 15-minute meditation, that's the equivalent of over an hour of sleep, but you don't have a sleep hangover on the other side. And so this is awesome because it means for, you can steal away for 15 minutes at work, or you can meditate for 15 minutes in the car before you pick up your kids from school, or you could meditate for 15 minutes on a train or on a plane. And, um, and then you have this hit of energy and this hit of productivity and creativity on the other side. It's like you take a little mini vacation for your brain. Um, and over time, then it's, it's chipping away slowly but surely, bit by bit, day by day, it's eradicating the entire backlog of stresses you've ever accumulated. And then the manifesting is what we do at the end. So after your meditation, we take a few minutes with the eyes closed and we practice what I call manifesting, uh, which is simply you consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And while that is simple, because it is, it sounds simple because it is, lots of people aren't doing that. A lot of people, instead of asking questions like, what's my dream job look like? What does my dream relationship look like? What does my dream relationship with my body look like? Instead, we ask questions like, why did she get a raise and I didn't? Why can't my husband just go to therapy? Why can't I lose this weight? Why do I have PCOS? Why didn't I, why don't I have more money? When, you know, so we ask these sort of negative questions and then we get negative answers. And so what I recommend in the manifesting is that we get very disciplined about curating and creating the life that we want. And so we start imagining our dreams as if they're happening now. And it's not just magical thinking. There's actually a decent amount of neuroscience around this. The brain does not know the difference between a real memory and an imagined one. And so if you start to utilize your creativity and imagination to get intentional about, well, you know what? My dream vacation would be Hawaii. And I'd love to make $80,000 this year. And, and actually picturing yourself healthy, picturing your hormones working beautifully and balanced, picturing yourself pain-free, picturing yourself enjoying your time with your partner, picturing yourself with a really active libido, you know, like, then it's, we take all that same time and energy that we're wasting on worry and stress, and we instead use it and flip it towards the creative and towards what we want to make in our lives. Also, you, um, I know as I was reading through the ZMET uh, technique, during that manifesting time too, you have a little focus on gratitude and being yes. like really present with what is going on, you know, good in your life. And that's something that I think has been so instrumental in, in my healing. Um, and I love that focus on gratitude as well. Yeah, because the thing is, if, if you had a friend who only asked you for things and never said thank you, eventually you might be a little annoyed and you might stop, you know, enjoying giving them things. And I think it's the same with nature. If we just are constantly asking for things but never saying thank you, 
then, you know, maybe nature stops wanting to give us so many things. Um, and also, it, it's virtually impossible to feel anxiety and gratitude simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's basically we're rewiring the brain to start to look for everything that's going right. And then we start to put our attention on the flowers of our life. We start to water the flowers instead of watering the weeds. So tell us, um, when is the ideal time of days, do you think, to, to meditate? And then how long do you think it will take to really see a difference in some of those um, PCOS symptoms, you know, that, that I was mentioning? Like, does it, is, it, is it something that you need to commit to for, um, you know, weeks, months? What do you think? So good question. And I would say if you don't have any training, I would say meditate for zero minutes a day. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty serious about this because, because meditation is simple, people think that they should already know how to do it. And so then they sit down and they're like, all right, brain, stop thinking. Hmm, I sure would like a snack. Snacks are delicious. Wait, now I'm thinking about snacks. I suck at meditation. I quit. And then meditation just becomes another thing to feel guilty about and another thing on a long list of things that we tried and, and failed at. And so I really recommend that you treat it like any other skill and that you first invest the time to train yourself. And that may be reading a book or taking an online class or finding a teacher in your hometown, but it is a skill and there are different types of meditation. And if you don't have any support through that, it can be really confusing and frustrating and you could just actually waste your time. And your time is your most valuable resource that you have. So step one is get some training and then once you have some training, what I teach in the book is simply 15 minutes in the morning and then 15 minutes mid-afternoon, early evening. Um, and, and so if you think about that, that's 2% of your day. I know it sounds like a lot. People are like, oh, I'm so, so busy and they feel overwhelmed, but it's the stress and anxiety that makes us feel overwhelmed. When you start meditating, you become much more adept at prioritizing your time and executing more efficiently. So the question is, are you willing to invest 2% of your day to make the other 98% of your life more amazing? And when you look at it in those terms, it seems like a no-brainer. Like, of course I would invest 2% of my day to make 98% amazing. So I recommend 15 minutes in the morning and then 15 minutes mid-afternoon, early evening um, for Ziva. But if you're just doing an app or if you're doing a guided visualization or some breath work or something, then you can be more lenient about the times. So uh, when I was reading your book, I took a couple um, notes, and there were two statements that really stuck out for me. And I think that this is so true that you say you don't know how bad you're feeling until you don't feel it anymore. And that that meditation, um, it's also like putting on reading glasses that you didn't know that you needed, but now everything comes into sharper focus. Yes. And I can tell you, I've experienced both um, mm. with a meditative practice. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's like that stress becomes just like a white noise in the background, like an AC that's on or a buzzing of a TV. And after a while, you don't even hear it. You don't even know that it's slowing you down or that it's making you sick or that it's stressing you out. But then when it goes away, then you're like, oh, peace. Oh, there's space. Oh, I have more mental energy. Oh, I have more physical energy. Oh, I actually want to get up and work out. Oh, I actually want to have sex. Oh, I actually have the energy to cook food for myself. And so it, it is a bit like a, like a white noise that we just need to flip that switch off. 
And the other thing that I wanted to say is so many of us um, with PCOS, we tend to be perfectionists. And I think what you said about, you know, meditation, like you, it's, you say in the book, we meditate to get good at life, not good at meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it really doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, it's important, obviously, to get the training and to learn a good meditation technique like uh, the Ziva technique, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Yes, a thousand percent. So uh, this is like the drum I will be probably until the day I die. We meditate to get good at life not to get good at meditation. So it's not about clearing your mind. It's not about having a perfect meditation. It's you invest this time so that you can be more amazing in the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, once you have a technique, once you are, um, you know, once you feel like you have it under your belt, then you just do it. You just get it done. You don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You just fit it into your life in a way that works. So can you tell us more about um, how we can learn the, the Ziva technique? You, know, you have your new book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, um, that just came out. And I know you have online programs as well and an online Facebook group. Um, can you give us more information about all of your resources? Yes. Thank you so much for asking. So, you know, the book is coming out. I'm not sure exactly when this is going to release, but the book comes out February 19th. So it is available now. Um, you can just go to Amazon and either pre-order it or order it. And it's called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And then if you head to stresslessthebook.com, there's a lot of companion bonuses there. And then if you if you're not really, some people just aren't readers. They don't learn that way. Some people really like more interactivity. So we have a beautiful online course and that is called Ziva Online. It's 15 minutes a day for 15 days. And at the end of it, you, you graduate and you have this beautiful trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting to take with you for life. And then I also teach live in New York and LA. So if people want to take a trip in, you can do that. Um, it's a, that's a great step too to the online training. So really, like wherever you are in your journey, there's now something for you. You could do the book, you could do Ziva Online. Um, or you could learn live. And our main website is simply Ziva, that's Z-I-V-A, meditation.com. And that gives you all the information on the book, the online course, and the live course. Well, I'm so grateful that you came on to the PCOS Diva podcast, Emily, and talked about your your new book and the Ziva technique. I really encourage listeners to make sure that they have some type of meditation practice because it will really help improve your PCOS symptoms. I promise you um, it's the, one of the, the best gifts, and it is a gift that you can give yourself, the gift of time. And, um, and I hope that, that everyone will pick up a copy of your book. And I can tell you, I know you were talking about the book being sort of focused on productivity, but it is very, very applicable to all PCOS divas. Um, it's really a wonderful book. Thank you so much for taking the time to read it and for share it, for sharing it. And, and I will just highlight that the first third of the book is basically breaking down a lot of the neuroscience behind what, how stress is impacting us. Things like, you know, mm-hmm. advanced body age and insomnia and hormone imbalance and infertility. And so, you know, all of these things can just be exacerbated when we're stressed. So I do hope that it proves to be a useful and helpful resource. Yeah, I mean, because knowledge is power. When you know what, what, that, what stress is causing, um, 
you know, the side effects it's causing your body. It really, uh, you know, helps you to be more proactive and take charge of your health. So another tool for your PCOS toolkit. And thanks again, Emily, for joining us. And thank you for every, everyone for listening. And I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.